Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Charles Booth writing and rewriting history. First ever national title for Texas Tech. Welcome one, welcome all to the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You are on once again with your boy, Albie Shore. And today, today I'm pretty excited. I'm pretty excited because as y'all know, in, here in Albie's arena, we have had quite a few guests come through. You know, I told y'all we'd have a kind of a, a running list of guests that are coming through in the Texas Tech and Big 12 pod verse, if you will. And after seeing the Texas Tech basketball team play Houston, and play BYU, and we're doing this stretch of just incredible Big 12 basketball, I had to bring on one of the brightest minds, I feel, in Texas Tech, uh, the basketball universe. We are talking about a pre-pod. He, he really is, I think, for most everybody, when they want to know real details and specifics and X's and O's on how Texas Tech basketball is doing, they go to this guy right here. That is Ryan Mainville, uh, one of the key co-hosts from the Gambling Gauchos podcast. What's going on, Ryan? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Albie. I really appreciate those words. And you and I have known each other for a long time now. I think you know basketball has kind of always been my my bread and butter. It's my favorite sport. It was my favorite sport to play growing up. It's still my favorite sport to watch. And I think it's a game that's a lot more approachable than people think. It's a lot easier to understand. And so just trying to help, you know, every Texas Tech fan get a better grasp on this team, what they're doing, what their strengths and weaknesses are. And so happy to be here and hopefully do some of that today yeah no it's you, you're right about this point about basketball right so football I was, I was talking the other day with some friends the thing about football is or tackle football anyway once you stop playing tackle football last time i ever played tackle football i was 17 years old right like the second you take those pads off for the last time you will never put pads back on again unless you you know play collegiately or professionally so like every time somebody's done like when the texas tech football season was over Somebody on the team was the last time they will ever put pads on again, right? But for basketball, you know, like I, uh, a good example of this is I, I've been listening to the uh, Jeff Teague podcast because I find him hilarious. And Jeff Teague retired from, from the NBA a couple years ago, and he still plays basketball. He still runs up and down the court. He still does, you can still play basketball, right? Like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good or bad you are. My knees ache when I go play basketball, and I'm tired of playing with these 19-year-olds that can jump out the gym and dunk. But I am now – I can now play over 30, Ryan. I'm over 30 league. And you know what's great about over 30 leagues? Everybody's old and everybody's sore. It's fantastic. And we can still keep playing, right? I'll let you be with everybody that still has good knees and play on – you know, with the youths, all right? But that's what's fantastic about basketball is that, like, tackle football I can never play again. But basketball, we're still, we're still there. Yeah, and all you got to know is like some simple pick and roll concepts. You know, That's you got to right. know your strengths and weaknesses. And then, you know, doesn't matter how old you are, you can still get buckets. Yeah, see, here's the thing, though, is you can't be the guy in the gym yelling out directions and sucks. Oh, like, that's no. the thing. Like, if you, if you suck, you got to just stay quiet. Like, that's the thing. If you're going to yell at directions, you got to be one of the best players on the court. Like, those are the two things, right? But to yell at directions and you're not, like, scoring or doing anything productive, well, then it's just get the hell out of my face. That's the <laughs> – that's, like, gym etiquette. you got to contribute on the court, too. Got to put your money where your <laughs> mouth is, for sure. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So let's talk about – the uh, real quick, before we get to the basketball, I do got to give you praise on this, Ryan. So I have – uh, as you know, I've made fun of quite a few people about their names, their Twitter names, the pseudo names they go by. Um, Dylan most famously had like the worst Twitter name known to man. Uh, and he actually came up with the one Dill Pickles. And then all, actually and him and then, of course, Jacob Harris, managing editor for um, uh, The Nation, I guess is the politically correct term for them now. Uh, the Nation. And I made him change it because it was awful. Uh, but I got to give you credit. I didn't hate your name before, your uh, your Twitter name or um, profile name before. But Money Mainville is a fantastic name. I that's that's incredible. 
I appreciate that. I think the Gauchos were the ones who coined that for me. Like one of my first times I was on there as a guest, they just randomly called me Ryan Money Mainville. Now it just stuck like for years. That's a great name. You gotta, that's a, that's an incredible name. Like that's a, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta, who was a robber? That sounds like, that sounds like a Rob, a Rob thing. It sounds like Rob. Yeah. (laughs) I gotta give him credit for that. That's fantastic. So, so with Money Mainville here, um, so let's talk about Texas Tech basketball team, the men's basketball team. Uh, So now this is a team that, uh, you know, early on, we talked about it before the season began that we don't know what they were going to look like. You know, a lot of people were kind of disappointed in recruiting, and I think they were disappointed in recruiting because we saw what what Beard was doing. We saw even that first off season before Mark Adams' first year, how he was recruiting. I think a lot of people expected a very similar off season. And though the names that we got on the team weren't these high prize names, they weren't these you know five star transfer portal recruits or anything like that. One thing that Jeremy actually talked about and, coined, um, and spoke highly of was that every single person that he brought on campus that he wanted and said, I want you to come on campus, he, he got to commit and got to sign. And so, but coming into the season, we didn't know how good or bad this team was. And, you know, you, they come in the season, you know, you have games like San Jose State where they look kind of shaky. They get whooped by Villanova in, the, in, that, in that tournament. Um, you know, barely beat a Northern Iowa team, which I still think is a, a pretty good Northern Iowa team, though, you know, it's a mid-major, so you don't think anything highly of them. But you still don't know what to think of this team. Well, recently, teams looked pretty good. I mean, what was your thoughts on this team in the non-conference and, and as they kind of going into the Houston game? Yeah, well, I think you're exactly right about the roster construction. It definitely felt more like Grant McCaslin was really on a mission to to get his guys. You know, with Beard and Adams, sometimes it was about talent. Obviously, you want the best guys you can get. But at other times, it was just like, all right, this guy's, you know, top 10 guy in the portal right now. Let's go get him. With, with this team, it's really like, okay, not super familiar with a guy like Warren Washington. Like, what's he going to be like in the Big 12? Or Darion Williams, you know, winning player of the year in your conference or freshman of the year in your conference that's a huge accolade but how's it going to translate to you know the best conference in college basketball and I think now that you've kind of seen you know over a dozen games with this group together I I give a lot of credit to Grant McCasland and his evaluation for just getting guys that he was comfortable with and obviously confident in and I think this roster has really started to mesh together and kind of formed an identity. And so I was really interested, like I'm sure a lot of other people were, to see what this team would look like. And so as a DFW local, I went out to Denton for uh, the Texas Tech, Texas A&M scrimmage. I just wanted to get a look, kind of see how they would play. And even though that game doesn't count, you know, no real stats, nothing's on the books, but it was clear from that game this was going to be a different flavor of Texas Tech basketball than we've seen in years past. I mean, I think they scored like 91 in that game against A&M. Pop Isaacs had a huge scoring outbreak in that game, and it was a lot of running, a lot of transition offense, a lot of three-point shots, and it it really started to feel like, okay, maybe the gear is shifting from, you know, a program that's really built its identity on defense to, you know, maybe this is going to be a team that's a little bit stronger on the offensive end than they are on the defensive end, and I think that certainly started to play out. You had one of the worst shooting starts to your season I think you possibly could have have. I think you're shooting like 23% from deep after three games, and it was like, man, is this just not going to work? Like, is this just a complete fluke from what I saw in Denton? But I think over the last couple of games, you know, even on the back end of the non-conference schedule, it started to click. And I still think, you know, with the guards that you have and your ability to kind of run some inside-out basketball, I think this is a team that's really suited to play its best basketball on the offensive end. And I think that's starting to play out. Yeah, I and I, I know people that have listened to this podcast have heard me say this before, and I'm going to say it again. I really think the turning point was the Butler game. Though we lost that Butler game, I thought the Butler game was actually the best we played all year up to that point, right? Uh, <clears throat> against a very good Butler up to the, before in the non-con, I think was the best team we we the best team in the non-conference to me was Butler, and it was the best game we had played all all that year. And we should have won that game, and of course we didn't win it, but I still thought we played well. And since that Butler game up into K State, they had scored at least seven. They hadn't scored seventy-five points in a game uh, before that all season long. Since that game, they had scored 75 points or more every single game up until, of course, K-State. So going into the – so I, I really think that was the turning point there. Now going into the Houston game, they had just come off Kansas State. Um, a, a dog it out, like a true kind of a, brings you back to the beard era of scrappy, offense isn't going, nothing's falling in, so we're going to have to fight and, and – 
claw for every single win in a game that looked like it was going to be an L, and we dragged it through at the end. So going into that Houston game, were you confident we would walk into the number two team in the nation and, and pull off an upset? This is also a Houston team coming off of back-to-back losses. What were your thoughts there? Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I did not expect a Texas Tech to pull off a win. Uh, that Houston team is very, very legit. Their defense still best in the country. And so coming off two losses, I was a little worried Tech might run into a buzzsaw. And I think that's kind of what happened. Um, you know, Houston obviously has played UCF by now at the time that we're recording this. And they held UCF to seven made field goals in an entire game, which is just the craziest Big 12 basketball set so wild. I think I've ever heard. And they <laughs> still so covered wild. the spread, which is just, I don't, I don't know how you do that. But yeah, you know, I thought Texas Tech would play a competitive game. I thought they really needed to to make their three-point shots and take care of the basketball. And unfortunately, that Houston defense just does not give you anything easily. And they're so deep, uh, which I think is a really underestimated part of their team. You know, they can really run like 10 to 11 guys a night. Meanwhile, you've really got two guys coming off the bench that you feel comfortable with to some degree. And so... You know, I thought it was a tough contest to to walk into their place and to pull off the upset. But, yeah, I think Houston got the better of you. A lot of it was due to their ability to force turnovers. You know, you weren't making quite the amount of shots that you needed. And then, obviously, they just completely take away anything inside. So, I uh, so I, did, I went to the Texans game this uh, Saturday. And, and thanks, everybody, on Twitter for bullying me into doing so. I appreciate that. Um, I know I'm being sarcastic, but I actually, it was a great time, but I, you know, what's funny about tech going into Houston. I felt the same way as my Texans playing the Ravens, right. To where I'm like, okay, well we should lose this game. We should lose this game. But the way, you know, we've won the last few, I started drinking a Kool-Aid a little bit. Like we've won the last few games. You know, I know this is the road game against, you know, the best team around, but I, you know, maybe, maybe now in the last episode, I was, uh, 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 Stephen from Talking Tech was on, and, and, of, and of, of course, love Stephen, very optimistic person, he picked Tech upset, which I don't think Stephen has ever picked Tech to lose in every, any sporting event in the history of Texas Tech athletics. Um, but I, I did shoot, I did pick Tech to lose simply because I would have felt better about Tech winning if Houston was not coming off of back-to-back road losses. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was a team from the very beginning was on a mission that we are going to beat you. And then I, I knew they were on a mission to beat us. I thought we'd keep it close. And at halftime, it was only a nine-point game. I, I realized in the second half, they were not only on a mission to beat Tech, they were on a mission to, and to kind of explode and, and ball out. And kind of not embarrass Tech, but m- m- prove a point that they're still the Houston Cougars. And that's when I was like, oh, okay, let's just – Let's just hurry this game up. <laughs> no, and I think you're out. exactly right. I think they were trying to purge some demons. I mean, it was it was all over X. You know, the the they dropped two losses in Big Twelve play. Everybody's like, oh, Houston, you know, frauds. They don't belong in the Big Twelve. Go back to your G five conference. And I I was kind of sitting back, like, man, this is a good team. It just kind of feels like you know, it's just going to take one switch for them to get there. And when you've got a Hall of Fame coach and Kelvin Sampson, who you you don't really get out of those situations well and so credit to him and his team for the way they played in that game I think they needed a win and they they got one yeah absolutely and then of course it's uh we make a lot of fun at the Cougars expense as far as their home crowd but the home crowd was it was a, a it was a nice crowd it was a good crowd Red Raider Nation was in there um but I you know I'm probably about I don't know 15 percent of the crowd was tech fans maybe 20 it's hard when everybody's wearing red uh loud Raider power especially early on but they, listen, they had, they had jump around going in the second half. Like it was, <laughs> it was a party in the Fertitta Center. Um, an absolute blowout in this game. Uh, kind of talking about some of the stats here. Just looking it up as I'm, I'm seeing here. I mean, Kerwin Walton. Kerwin Walton, who is a guy we did, I did say we were going to have to have a, or I thought was going to have to have a good game in this one. And he actually did offensively anyway. I mean, he's kind of the only one that had a pulse offensively in this game with his threes u of h left tech open for some threes but also with the with that pressure they knew like hey pop and joe t are going to be the two guys who are going to make this thing go and pop and joe t were the two guys that struggled and to pull off an upset at the number two team in the nation or a, a top 10 team in the nation um you, you gotta actually i guess they were number five at this time but you gotta uh uh we had to have both pop and joe t play well Joe nine points for on the game for for Tucson who 
barely got any shots off. Um, Pop gonna get some shots off. Whether it make, if he has to shoot from the logo, he's gonna do it. But it wasn't very efficient. Uh, wasn't very efficient. Uh, missed seven threes on the day. Twelve points overall. Um, and I do want to before you go. I do want to call one thing out that you said that I didn't believe until this game. I did not think this was a very deep team. I mentioned it in the last episode. I, I didn't think this was a very deep team. I thought they were. Uh, they had a three-headed monster in their in their uh, backcourt, and that they weren't a team that could go. You know, I, I, I compared them to a better version of the Texas Longhorns. Uh, that were a team that was you know about seven, eight deep, and they weren't going to go longer than that. Then I watched the game, and I'm like, no, nah, never mind. <laughs> Take it back. This is a team that is very. Is, I mean, they they got some players that can play. No doubt. They got some players that they're not just a three-headed monster up top. And they, you know, Jalen Robert, uh, Roberts was a guy that I thought we'd be able to abuse. And he abused us. So it's a, this is just a very good team. Yeah, and I mean, even guys like Malik Wilson, who used to play ball at Texas Tech, he's getting minutes on that team. It really felt like, you know, he needed a situation where he was just going to be coached on defense and just kind of have that become his forte. And I think that's starting to happen at Houston. And then obviously you've got a very very high caliber all-conference type player in Jamal Shedd and then you've got LJ Cryer right there beside him it's a scary team uh when their best players are playing well and if you're going to beat them like you said your best players have to play their best and you got to take care of the basketball and neither of those things happened and I think when you look at that the road to a win is just it's it's all uphill from there yeah, our single-digit turnover streak ended in this game. The Tech had gone since the Butler game, actually, hadn't given up more than nine turnovers in uh, any game since then, and 14 turnovers in this game. And so, again, you, you got to play a, a near-perfect game to pull off an upset at Houston, and it just wasn't, wasn't going to happen with the mistakes that were made. But good news, Ryan, we will not have to see Houston again for the rest of the regular season. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to the new Big 12. You don't have to face everybody twice. You know, sometimes you just got to take your one L and move on. But, yeah, exactly. I, you know, maybe you want another shot at this team at, you know, your home court in Lubbock. I'm sure it would be a good crowd for that game. But, yeah. man, that's a that's a good team. I don't I'm I'm glad you don't have to okay. see them again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm OK. I'm not. Listen, I'm not somebody that looks in and says, oh, if we only got another chance and who knows. Listen, that's a good team. And if we don't have to play them again and we still have other teams we can play instead at home, give me that. <laughs> like, that's 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 how I look at it there. So Texas Tech, big loss to the number five ranked team in the country. I, you know, I, I personally think that Houston was a little overseas. I know Kempom has them still as number one. Um, I think I think Houston's a little tad bit overrated. Um, at the beginning of the season, I thought that they were going to be a seven-loss Big 12 conference team, and I didn't say that as a slight. I mean, seven losses in the Big 12 last year was third place. Um, it's just a different beast in, in the Big 12. Uh, but I do think talent-wise, and, and, and you know, they're a top-10 team in the country, whether they're one or five or eight, they're top-10, um, undoubtedly. So big. So a loss to a top-10 skilled team, 77-54, to 23-point uh, loss, which, to be honest, is a little bit worse than it actually was, but it did feel bad. It did feel like a big – it's one, like you said, take your lumps, go on, take the, take the, uh, the flight back from, from Hobby to, uh, uh, to Lubbock and, and uh, uh, get ready for the BYU game. And I, and I tweeted this, Ryan, at the time – that I, I know we just got whooped by Houston. That was a game that really never felt like it was going to be in our favor going up to the game. But I still felt very good about the BYU game at home. What was your thoughts? You know, after taking, you know, the butt whooping that you just th did in the Fertitta Center in third ward, g heading into this game against BYU. Yeah, you know, BYU, you know, obviously a newer member to this conference. I was really interested to get a look at this team because they had started off the season, you know, as one of the nation's most highly anticipated programs. A lot of people thought they were going to be really good. And the more they played, you know, the better their resume looked. They came into this game with top 20 Kempom offense and defense. They, they've got guys who can score even right now as they're battling, you know, some injury struggles. They've still got guys who can hoop, and I think they showed that, especially, you know, at their big man Khalifa, I think is really the key to kind of getting that offense to go, and he had a monster game against Tech. But, you know, it certainly felt like a team that you could beat, and I think your, your chances of pulling that off, obviously a little bit higher than they were against Houston. I just really think it was coming down to, can you protect the basketball and can you play the game that, you know, you want to play Houston really forced you out of your rhythm. You didn't get high quality three point shots. 
could not get the ball to the basket whatsoever. It felt like every time Joe Toussaint tried to drive, he just ran into a wall. And that's kind of what, you know, BYU showed you in the first half, but eventually Tech started to get their rhythm. And so I think, you know, coming into this game, it was really going to be about, okay, you know, how can McCaslin get this team back on track, get them back to doing what they do well, and how can you execute that against a team that, you know, has played at a high level for most of this season. And I, I really think it came down to shot making and adjustments in this one. You know, so this game, I was, this game was going on while I was at the Texans game. I actually, it's, it's, it was great. I walked to my car from the game and, you know, looked at my phone, seeing where the game was and, and, it was uh, about a minute, a little over a minute left to go in the game. So I was able to watch the rest of the game on my phone while I was in the car before I, you know, to be to, while traffic waited anyway. And I've never been so happy. Um, so later that night when I got home, I, I did a rewatch. I watched the, the, the whole game. And I've never been so happy to already know Tech had won a game while doing the rewatch. Right, because if I'm if at halftime, I'd have been sick. <laughs> I would have been sick because it wasn't. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you; it wasn't what I expected coming into this game. I actually thought we'd be the ones to punch BYU in the mouth. We'd be the ones that should have been up 48 to 32 at halftime. I, that's what I was expecting heading into this game, where we'd we'd kind of feel bitter from the U of H game and want to smack BYU around. But credit to them in that they they watched the film. They made their they did exactly what you said. They made life difficult for Joe Tucson, right? And I think. Joe Tucson is going to have to find a way going forward to get himself out of this. Because that's two teams, in a, uh, two games in a row, three games in a row, if you count Kansas State, where teams said, we just got to attack this guy and make his life wildly difficult, and it's going to make the rest of the team struggle, right? And so that's exactly what they did. And they had bigs. And I, this is probably the biggest team we've played all year. Um, not even probably. I, I don't think it's close. <laughs> this is the biggest team we've played all year. Uh, and so at least since Villanova. And – it, it showed, like you you mentioned Khalifa, he's, I mean, he's a mammoth guy, right? And so that that size definitely affected the way we were able to play in this game. I think BYU as a team also was able to, um, you know, they had, especially in the first half, were able to get to the basket. And, and you would think it'd be a kind of a Khalifa-Washington kind of battle there. I think we left a lot in the paint in that first half. And they were just kind of... It was like a Olay defense at some points in the first half. So again, I already knew what the score and score was. So, but if I was watching this live and if I was at home and if I, and, you know, if I'm you and the rest of the fan base, I'm thinking, oh my god, what the hell? And and you know what happened though, Ryan? You know what happened? I'll figure. I figured it out. Um, our our friend, Mister, and I'm not going to say his his name because I think he's a fraud, but our Mister NIL certified scout um, tweeted. What it, he he tweeted basically saying that it's it's you know when you face real competition it's not it's uh life is different right and uh, and I'm you know and I found this out this morning actually I found this tweet out this morning oh this is what happens when you start playing real teams cactus emoji you get embarrassed and so and you know and I'm like ah that's what it is that's what happened he must have tweeted that at halftime and everything changed because they came out of the all of a sudden out of halftime. Life is different. Out of halftime, and, and McCaslin's already great at halftime adjustments in general. But um, not only halftime adjustments, I don't know what he said to them at halftime, but he lit a fire under under Pop primarily. <laughs> he lit a he lit a fire under Pop first and foremost. And Pop said, "I right, listen, y'all. I'm gonna put the team on my back, and we're gonna ride this thing out." And it was a great great display there. Yeah, and I think that's exactly what's what's got to happen. You know, you mentioned Joe Toussaint. You know, they took him out of the game. And so I think the first thing you've got to do from there is say, okay, they're taking this away. Where else can we get offense? And in that second half, man, Pop Isaacs playing what I think was easily the best game of his career as a Red Raider, scoring 30-plus, grabbing, you know, a number of rebounds, also pouring in four assists, and then playing some really, really good defense, deflecting passes, interrupting ball handler drives. He, he was just active, and he was everywhere. And – I mean, everything you're saying, you know, I think a lot of people lived through. There were some crazy takes going on at halftime. Like, people were calling out Grant McCaslin, calling him a fraud, saying he wasn't adjusting. Oh and I get it, you know, to to lose the, that game the way you did against Houston, to come out against BYU on your home court, start in a 10-0 deficit, be down at 16 at halftime. It does not feel good. But really, the identity of this team has been adjust. Just adjust. Take what they're giving you on the other side. 
and then figure out what you're going to do with it. And I think that's what makes BYU a really, really tricky team to beat because they run an offense that's five out. So every single guy on offense is outside of the three-point line. It's very similar to almost like what the Nuggets run. And, you know, during the broadcast, they kind of compared Khalifa to Jokic, which I, I think is absolutely outrageous. You should never be comparing anybody to Jokic I missed that one (laughs) Uh, yeah it was wild it was wild they compared his passing to Jokic I I it's ingrained in my brain I I cannot forget it as much as I want to and obviously I don't think he's at that level but what they're trying to do is very similar right they're trying to run the ball with him at the top of the key and open up shooters in the corners and then cuts towards the basket and that's what they did in the first half easily they were shooting like 56 percent from the field 50 percent from deep at half and everything just looked so easy and so i think at halftime you had an opportunity to say all right this team is doing something to us that we really have not seen that we really have not had to counter against how can you kind of get your spots how can you make some baskets and how can you slow them down on offense and then the next 20 minutes just a completely different story i mean it looked like you were watching two different games that happened compared to the first half and the second half. And I think especially on the offensive end, obviously a lot of credit to Pop Isaacs for his scoring performance in this one. It just looked like everything was kind of coming to you a little bit easier. I thought Warren Washington was amazing as well. Yeah, Um, he was great. Houston's size on the interior obviously gave him a little bit of a headache. But before that game, he had been one of Tech's most reliable offensive players. And he was back. And he had a great game in this one. And, you know, for him to be a seven-footer playing, you know, 35-plus minutes in every single conference game is wild. Like, that is wild for a guy to be able to do that. And so I think with him playing at such a high level on the inside, Pop Isaac's making shots from deep. I thought Pop also played just a really smart game. Uh, You know, you were talking about Pop's going to get shots no matter what. And I think that's true. And I think there are games where you kind of live with him taking – you know, a handful of bad shots a game just because of his scoring ability. But in this one, he was just smart. I mean, outside of a, you know, a heat check three in the first half, he, every single shot he took, I thought was warranted and he's got a green light no matter what. I I mean, that's what I've seen. And so, I mean, for him to be taking smart shots, even when Joe Toussaint is getting so much pressure, not really being a threat on offense, I think says a lot to kind of his development and, you know, without him, it's really scary to think about where you would have been in this game. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad you brought up Warren Washington because everybody's giving kind of pop his flowers on, on Twitter and everything like that. But Warren Washington, bald. And he's wildly athletic. Like, I, I feel like we don't give him enough credit. We just say, oh, he's seven foot. So he's just there, you know, just to jump in and be there. He's running up and down the court, right? He's fast. Um, you know, I mean, that, that big dunk that he had in there in the second half to really get the crowd into the, into the game was, was, was big and, and huge for just the momentum's sake. But he is – he has been wildly reliable, uh, much improved uh, from the beginning of the year. And so, absolutely, Warren Washington was great in that second half as well. Um, suffocating defense, especially on the threes, and, and their shots stopped falling, right? Dallin Hall, who's one of their best shooters, just couldn't get anything to fall there in the second half as well. And so I, I think that uh, um, Richie Saunders, again, him, him as well, right? They, 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 once the momentum shifted to Tech, all of a sudden BYU couldn't make a basket. And so it just helped out. And then, you know, the, the final minute of the game, I think, you know, and I've mentioned it earlier in this season that last year was a very rough year, but it took them all year to learn how to win. That whole learning how to win piece, especially from from guys like like Pop and and like Jennings and guys that were here last year, they already know how to do that. So that that helps, right? Like you already went through the growing pains of learning how to win. So now when it comes to winning time this year, that piece. I mean, we had that Northern Iowa game was actually the first one I saw. I'm like, man, last year we would have lost that game. There's no doubt in my mind. Last year we lose the Northern Iowa game, right? But they already know how to win. So close games like this, Kansas State's another good one, and this one as well. The, the defensive prowess they have to make sure that, hey, defensively, we're going to win this game. And if we need to make a couple baskets, we need to make free throws. This is the best free throw shooting team I think I've ever seen. <laughs> like, I don't think, I don't know the last time I've seen a Texas Tech team where I'm like, oh, free throws at the end of the game. Cool. Like, we'll be all right. We might miss one. I'm not saying we're not going to miss one, especially if Warren Washington's on, on, on the line. But even Warren Washington's not awful. Like, we've had worse, right? And so, like, 
this is a team that knows how to win games at the end of games. We're going to have close games in the Big 12, and now we've just had another one in this BYU game. And so, you know, it, it felt at the end of the game, especially in control, which is very surprising from where we were when we were down 17. No, I think free throws are, are a really, really great point to bring up. Look, free throws are not exciting, right? It, it's not one of the flashiest parts of the game. It's not, you know, something guys are going to put on their highlight reel. But if you want to win Big 12 basketball games, you better make your free throws. And anybody that's followed this program for the last couple of years can remember games where Tech lost a game that should have won because they left points at the free throw line. And this one, if you were going to come back from you know a 17-point deficit at one point, you had to make your free throws. You had to get the easy ones. I think in this game, they were like 17 of 18 from the free throw line, which is outrageous. They missed one. And now this team is sitting at 77% on the season, which is top 20 in college basketball and would be the best free throw percentage in a season for Tech on record on Ken Palm right now, which goes back to 97, I believe. So, I mean, it, it's a good point. Look, it's not exciting. Free throws are free throws. But, hey, it, it, it finally feels like it's time that, you know, they deserve to be called free throws because for a long time it felt like they were not free for Texas Tech. <laughs> Everybody would have their guns up in the air and it'd be more like prayers <laughs> as opposed to just silence. For the, they'd be like, oh, my God, please. <laughs> Uh, so now and another point I want to bring up because you had mentioned it before, and it was we're juxtaposing from last year. Pop Isaac's defense. Um, Pop Isaac was not a good defense player last year. I, I don't think that's a hot take to say he was not. A, I don't think I think he would say that he was not a good defensive player last year. This year, a a positive defensive player. I'm not saying he's you know good or outstanding or anything like that, but he's definitely been a positive defensive player. And in both the Kansas State and I would say this game as, uh, as well, the Kansas State and BYU game. His defensive impact, especially late in the game, is what helped win the game. Right, we're used to him scoring points, scoring 20-plus points. But making the defensive impact that he's been making has been what this team needs. And when you have five guys on the court at one time that can all defend, you know, you can't, you can't treat it like teams used to treat Steph Curry with the Warriors. Right? You have to actually, you know, uh, or Ryan Anderson with the Rockets. That's uh, neither here nor there. But – you gotta actually, you gotta actually respect him, and that's. I think that just adds another layer to it. No, it's a really, really good point. I mean, look, last year I'll say it, he was a liability on defense, whether it was on ball or off ball. There just was not a lot of possessions where he was making something positive happen on the defensive end. Whatever Grant McCasland, you know, has baked within his bones to teach defense, it, it's clearly working, and it's an area where McCasland wants to kind of stake his claim. It's been his identity at North Texas when he was there. And to see that kind of carry over to a guy like Pop Isaacs, who I think had a lot of room to improve on that end, it's a really positive development. And, I mean, I talked about it earlier, but the hands, just being able to disrupt dribblers and to deflect passing lanes, this isn't a team that has, you know, those gadget wing defenders like an Adonis Arms or a TJ Shannon. This team isn't long. They're really going to have to play their best defense either around the basket, which is going to come from Warren Washington and pretty much nowhere else or it's going to happen from your guards and I think Joe Toussaint has brought a lot of energy I think he plays tough and I think that's really good but Pop Isaacs is starting to show some ability to be a disruptor like he he's getting there and I still think there's room to improve I still think he's got to be more consistent on that end but if he can just keep generating you know two to three turnovers a game, that's going to be a huge, huge difference for this Tech team compared to what it was a year ago. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think Pop Isaacs, where he really gets his defensive prowess and where the whole team gets their defensive prowess. I know, I know Grant McCaslin really made it a big thing uh, for him and, 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 you know, in the locker room and why he's getting the guys on the, uh, on, uh, on the court and on the team is making sure that they have the best swag from Charlie Hustle. Uh, this podcast is brought to us, it's brought to you by your, our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. Charlie Hustle is a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City that specializes in Texas Tech and hometown Kansas City apparel. We're actually recording this on Sunday, right before the Kansas City Chiefs game, so hopefully Patty Mahomes makes it to another AFC Championship game. Uh, but Charlie Hustle wants you to be the best-dressed fan this season, so be sure to check out their wide selection of a 
officially licensed collegiate apparel today. Show off that Texas Tech spirit all season long. Uh, and make sure to use our promo code 101215. That's T-E-N-1215. Charlie Hustle will get you covered with all of your collegiate apparel needs. Again, that is promo code 101215. Uh, T-E-N-1215. Good for 15% off of all non-sale items. Shop today at charliehustle.com. Charlie Hustle, vintage made fresh. Uh, I'm sorry for doing that to you, Ryan. You were very engaged. That's <laughs> oh. what I was saying. I, I love a good ad read, man. <laughs> You were so engaged. You're like, oh, man, this man here is spitting. Yeah, it's a good ad read. Right Respect. Respect. <laughs> right so so let's let's transition over to Texas Tech's next opponent. So they do have a, a mini-buy. They'll have a week off up till next Saturday where they play the Oklahoma Sooners. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Tech can, remains 25th ranked. I, they, they should. I mean, losing to the number five team in the nation, I should, shouldn't knock – and then beating the number 20 team in the nation shouldn't knock you out of it, but – Voters are, are tricky. Um, Oklahoma, as we're recording this, is currently the 15th ranked team in the nation. Um, right now, 15-3 and three on the year. Uh, kind of surprising. I don't think people expected Oklahoma to be this good this soon, but very well coached. Um, and a team that, you know, they're, they're going to, again, fight for every possession. Their only three losses this year were against 11th-ranked North Carolina at a very good underrated TCU team. Uh, who's just getting disrespected, I feel, because they are uh, – that's a good team. And then, uh, the, in my opinion, the best team in the nation, which is the Kansas Jayhawks. Like, this team is – that is only, the only losses are probably the three best teams they've played all year. So, you know, will, Oklahoma now playing Texas Tech, which might be the fourth best team they've played all year, right? Fourth or fifth best team they've played all year. So this will be a very interesting battle here. This is also – in uh, in Norman, sorry, so this will be a road game. And in the Big 12, most home teams have won. I think the stat I heard yesterday was like 24 and 10. Home teams are 24 and 10 in the Big 12 this year. It's not easy to win on the road unless you're playing Oklahoma State. Um, so, so what are your thoughts uh, playing the Oklahoma Sooners uh, this upcoming Saturday? Yeah, it's a really interesting matchup for Texas Tech. I think you're coming off two games. Obviously, Houston kind of moving a an anomaly because they do offense and defense both so well but obviously they've got the potential to shoot the lights out on you BYU very heavy offensive team although I do think they play good defense as well and then even looking at a team like Kansas State I think that's that's a team that's going to end up playing their best basketball whenever they make three-point shots and take care of the ball but this Oklahoma team it's really anchored on the defensive end they do not let you get easy shots. Uh, their efficiency is kind of down since starting conference play, but in terms of what they're holding their opponents to, it's really impressive. So already in Big 12 play, opponents are shooting just 26% from deep against OU, which is a huge testament to their perimeter defense. That is no secret to, you know, if you've watched Porter Moser the last couple of years, this is his identity. This is what he wants to do is play really good defense. Um, and I think they've really executed that. They're top 20 in Kim Palm defense right now. Um, and then I think JV McCollum, the, the transfer from, I believe, Sierra, really giving them a lot of offense when they really need it. He's shooting, you know, almost 38% from deep, playing a ton of their minutes, you know, getting good assists, taking good shots. I think he's a guy and maybe the guy that you've got to be primarily concerned with in this one is just not letting him get hot, not letting him fill up the box score. But outside of him, it's a big Oklahoma team. They've got two 6'10 guys who play a lot of minutes. And so you look at a team like Tech and you know you see Warren Washington – I think this is going to be a big, big matchup to watch is how, you know, Warren Washington playing these many minutes can go against, you know, an Oklahoma team that can kind of sub out, you know, their big man. They can get some fresh legs in. They can get some guy who's had some rest and get him in there to play defense on Warren Washington. And so I think outside of the guards, which is going to be the primary topic for Texas Tech to win in pretty much any game this year, I think that matchup down low is one that's going to be really, really interesting to monitor. Yeah, I mean, so I, we were talking about it uh, before how I didn't think Houston had depth, and I kind of saw it. This is a team that has 11 guys that average five or more minutes a game, eight guys that average 17 minute or more minutes a game. This is a deep, 
deep roster. Right, this is a, a roster that, like you said, Porter Moser can definitely reach in his bag. And if if any of their big guys get into foul trouble, like Warren Washington does like to get the other team in foul trouble, they'd say so. <laughs> we'll be okay. Um, I did want to point out another guy that you, you didn't necessarily mention, but uh, Otega Owe. So Owe, uh, you know, he played last year and was a, a, good, a, a decent guy mostly off the bench last year. Got some games started towards the end of the year there. But this was a guy, it's almost like Porter Moser kind of saw his potential at the end of the year and said, you're going to be a force next year. Because he has definitely skyrocketed as a player. Right? He's also another one of their key scorers um, at, at their two guard. Good size, good length. Right, a good talk about perimeter defense. He's probably their best perimeter defender um, on the team, and I think the difference between this year and last year is because last year he played good defense too, but this year he can he can shoot, score. Right, like last year it was don't ever shoot a three. This year it's man, let's see what you got. Right, he's averaging. He's you know when he does, he shoots maybe about one or two threes a game, but he's usually going to make it. If you leave him open, he's going to make it. He has a, he's going to be able to drive and he's going to be able to play good defense. He's averaging two steals a game, so. Otega always is definitely a guy that, you know, I'm a little worried for. Uh, great call out on McCollum there as well. Um, and then and then John Hughley, right? So John Hughley, one of those big guys you were mentioning, big and burly. Like, honestly, I don't know why he's playing basketball. Dude, left tackle. What, what are you doing? Because <laughs> right? he's, he's a big boy. He is a big boy. Um, actually, you know what? He's probably a casualty of Oklahoma drills. You know, you do Oklahoma drills one time, you're like, yeah, basketball's for me. Um, and so uh, Shaq has a really funny joke about the fact that he played football one day and was like, nah, I'm going to basketball. But John Hughley, Pitt, Pitt transfer, played pretty well over at Pitt. Um, and... You know, it's funny because it's almost like he transferred to the best conference in, in, in college basketball. Like, he, almost as if he wanted another challenge and said, hey, you know, pit basketball, ACC is cool and all, but let me go to Oklahoma where it's a little bit tougher, which is something you would not have been able to say a decade ago. But um, but definitely, I think he's another guy that I'm definitely on the lookout for to see. Warren, you're usually taller and bigger than most people. You are not going to be bigger than this front court. You're not going to be bigger than this big man right here. And he has soft touch for a big man as well. Very soft touch as well. So John Hughley, he's a guy that I'm worried about, especially off the bench, right? So he's a guy that's really going to be their primary bench scorer, averaging almost 10 off the uh, ten off the bench there, um, whether it's uh, replicating like you've been saying, whether it's coming off the bench for Jalen Moore or coming off the bench for other guys like Godwin or whatever, he's been able to make most of that, of that post-scoring because guys just can't handle his size. Yeah, I haven't come across many 6'10", 275 guys that can also shoot 80% from the free throw line and 63% from two-point range. I mean, he is a handful, and I really do – I wonder what Texas Tech is going to do in this game. Are they going to let Warren Washington try and defend him one-on-one? Are they going to send a double? Are they going to try and do some traps? You know, that's going to be a situation that I think is really interesting. And then you mentioned the depth. I think it's a good point. You know, this is a team, obviously, I think JVL McCollum – probably the best player on this team but any of these guys can contribute you've got you know Otega away he is as you mentioned monster defender top 50 in steal rate this year John Hugley obviously providing size Sam Godwin backing him up grabbing a ton of offensive rebounds which I think is going to be a focal point for Tech over the next week is just watching film trying to figure that out because that's been a huge huge weakness on this team's resume is just grabbing boards and you know not allowing extra possessions for the other team but then you've got you know these role players Uzan Moore Darthad Sorez all these guys, you know, they, they have the potential to make shots. You know, maybe they aren't volume shooters. Maybe they don't necessarily have the green light. But if Oklahoma can kind of open up some space by getting the ball down low, forcing the Tech defense to collapse a little bit, send some more attention to those big guys inside, those are guys that can make an open shot. And so I really do think it's going to be about, you know, how you handle that interior pressure and just when they get the ball down low, how does your defense adjust around it? And I think, you know, these guys, not necessarily the the caliber of passer of a, as a, you know, a Khalifa, even like a Hunter Dickinson type, but when they get the ball down low, it creates pressure and that's enough to force your defense to collapse and that's enough to get them easy shots. And so I do think it's about, you know, how you rotate onto their guys and, and how you defend the perimeter off of that. 
So as we go to our prize picks predictions, so that's prize picks. Make sure to download the app and donate and um, deposit as much as a hundred bucks. If you deposit as much as a hundred bucks, use our promo code takes twelve. That's T A K E S one two to get a hundred percent match up to a hundred dollars. That's takes twelve. T A K E S one two. Prize picks. So for our prize picks prediction, before we get into that, Ryan, I need you to give us a what to look out for and a key to the game for the Texas Tech Raiders. Yeah, I think what to look out for is, you know, offensive rebounding. Can Texas Tech secure those extra possessions, and can they prevent Oklahoma from getting extra ones as well? As I mentioned, this is an Oklahoma team that lives and thrives on the defensive end. And so if you can kind of force them into a game where you're making shots and they're just trying to generate some offense – that's a spot where I think you feel really comfortable. But if they start missing shots and they're playing good defense and they're getting extra looks, they're getting second chance points, they're getting extra possessions, I think that's what's going to put you in a really bad position. And so I think rebounding, you know, as much of a convoluted stat as it is, as much as it can be overrated at times, there is a ton of value in getting extra possessions. And I think if you want to beat this Oklahoma team on their home court, you've got to be able to secure, you know, easy possessions and get them to one and dones. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, this Oklahoma team, I think the thing, one thing to look out for, and I'm, I'm curious about is that Oklahoma's defense versus Texas Tech's offense, right? That's the, that side of the court is where it's really going to be a, a two juggernauts battling, right? Um, Oklahoma, I think, 17th ranked in Kempom defensively. Texas Tech, 25th ranked in Kempom offensively. So that that is really going to be where the two the, those two heads can match. And as simple as low-scoring game is going to go into Oklahoma's favor, high-scoring game is going to go into Tech's favor. And it's really just that simple, right? Um, crowd for Oklahoma is going to be in it. They they have definitely – you know, I – I personally don't think Oklahoma's the the strongest home court advantage. However, when the team is good, there's enough Sooner fans that are going to pile up in there, and they're going to support the team, and they're going to make it loud and, and crazy. A little bit of a similar to Texas, a little bit of a teacup crowd, but still, it's going to be quite a bit of people in there, and, and a road game in the Big 12 is is not never going to be easy. So give me your prize pick prediction, Ryan. Who wins and what is the score that you see playing out? Yeah, everywhere I've looked so far in terms of metrics and models has Texas Tech losing this game by about, you know, four and a half to five points. And, you know, you've mentioned it many times on this podcast, winning road games in the Big 12, especially against good defensive teams, not an easy task. But I think Texas Tech is the better team. I I think they are. And so I'm going to go Tech to win this game. I think it'll be really, really close. But I think they can kind of get Oklahoma into a position where Tech can play their game. It's really just going to come down to limiting extra possessions by Oklahoma, not letting them disrupt your perimeter offense. If Tech can do those two things, I think they can win. And so I'm going to pick Tech to win. I'm going to go a close one. I'll go 72-69. 72-69. So, uh, Ryan, do you know Texas Tech's conference record? I do. Pray tell. They are four and one. So they're four and one in conference. I, since Texas Tech has been in conference, am also four and one. The only game that I've gotten wrong is I thought Texas would beat us in Austin. Um, but all the other games I've, I've, I've correctly predicted, we'd beat Oklahoma State, beat Kansas State, lose to Houston, and beat BYU. I, I, have, a, I have an Oklahoma victory. I, I you know – I, for, I did think Oklahoma was a little overrated. I don't I no longer think that. I think their defense is really good. I think Porter Moser is an incredible coach. But most importantly, winning games on the road in the Big 12 is so tough. <laughs> That's on a Saturday. On a Saturday. I think we'd have a, a much better chance on a weekday. On a weeknight. Those Saturday versus weeknight games are a little bit different, right? A lot of the times on a weeknight, you're not going to get as many students. Um, not as many eyeballs on the game. You can kind of sneak up on some players. Maybe, you know, they had class in the morning, stuff like that, right? But weekends, it's a lot tougher on a Saturday. I, I, I have the Sooners winning this game. I hope I'm wrong. Um, I think one thing that helps Tech out is that they're going to have all week to prepare for Oklahoma. That's going to be a big, a huge advantage. It might even neutralize the, the, the home court advantage that Oklahoma has having a week long to prepare for this game. Um, and a week long to rest. Uh, but... 
I'm going to go ahead and say the Sooners win this game. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think we're going to get lower than 75, lower than, lower than uh, I think you, you had us getting 70, 72. I think we're going to be lower than that. Give me um, 68 to 60. 68 to 60, Oklahoma wins. I think we're going to struggle a little bit on the road. And before we, uh, uh, before we come to the friendly confines of another home game um, in uh, Fort Worth. <laughs> so. Yeah, I like it. And, you know, I, you know, I picked Tech to win. I think a week off is going to do them a lot of good. But I can absolutely see this game going in that direction. Like, Oklahoma is a team that has made some, some other programs grind it out. And Houston kind of made you grind it out, and it, it, it didn't work well. Kansas State kind of made you grind it out, but you were on your home court. You got some you got some good shots to go your way. This is a little bit of a better defense. They're playing at a high level right now, and so I think as much as I think Tech can win, I can also see them, you know, Oklahoma forcing them to play the Sooners game, slow it down, take bad shots, and, and you know, that's how Oklahoma's going to be able to win this game. I will say to your point, though, if it's close, advantage Texas Tech. All right, so let me – and I, I had this thought, so I pulled up the schedule of the recent games. So they did beat – win at Cincinnati. They won that game by four. But 14-point win against West Virginia, 12-point uh, loss against Kansas, 9-point loss against TCU, 8-point win against T- Iowa State. Of course, they had a bunch of non-con games against nobodies that didn't matter. But 9-point win against Arkansas, 13-point loss against North Carolina. My main point, other than the USC game and this recent game against Cincinnati, USC game they won by two, and then the Cincinnati game where they won by four, not a lot of close games for this Oklahoma team. Not a lot of games within five points for this Oklahoma team. If the game is 72-69 like you were saying, and it's close with a minute to go, and they have to grind it out for that last one, Tech has the experience. Been there, done that. Recently. And that does play into the Red Raiders' hand as well. And um, and that's the main reason why I said 68-60, because I do think Oklahoma, at least, if they do get a win, will be in a little bit more control towards the end of the game. But another thing to look out for. Uh, so I mentioned earlier, Ryan, you're part of the Gambling Gauchos with, with Rob, uh, with Kyle. Great group there. Anything else that you want to plug or talk about uh, as we get out of here? Yeah, well, first, just want to say thanks for having me on. It's great to, you know, spend some time, talk ball with you again. It's been too long. Um, I appreciate that. You know, if you're looking for more content on Texas Tech basketball, you can give me a follow at Ryan Mainville. Just my name. Search me up or you can go to the Gambling Gauchos. I'm sure you can find me through there. Um, but have plenty of content, you know, coming out throughout basketball season. So if you're ever looking for more, I promise I got you covered. Absolutely. Um Gambling Gaucho is also on the uh, DCTF podcast network, um, so make sure to check out them. Incredible podcast, incredible community that they've built. So absolutely, I'm, I'm definitely proud of the, you guys. Proud of you, Ryan. I've known you for a long time, of course, um, when we were both writing for uh, uh, SB Nation over there. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, it's seeing you grow as a, as a writer, as a, as a, uh, podcaster, as a person, it's been incredible. And so, um, yeah, I know you're going to be on to do bigger and brighter things and I'm glad that you're on this podcast so I can make Jeremy, uh, that much more jealous, uh, as the goal. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you. <laughs> so for Ryan, this is your boy, I'll be sure. And you have been listening to tortillas and takes podcast. Part of the 1012 Network. As always, stay wrecked, family. Sports Social Podcast Network.